Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. My name is Rex Thompson, and I'm coming to you in high-def stereo from the Spears Swanee Music Park, and it is finally, at long last, once again, time for Rex Division. It's been a couple of long years, but we made it. We survived. Not everyone did, but here we are. The music scene is coming back to life, and, you know, so am I. After a couple of, you know, really annoying false starts, trying to remember how to make all this recording gear work, I finally got an episode put together for you. We've got a little bit of a new format and a couple of exciting guests, so let's just jump right in. First up is Paul Janeway of St. Paul and the Broken Bones, and he is here to talk about his big band's baller new album, The Alien Shore, as well as their upcoming performance here at the Spirit of Swanee Music Park for our Sewanee Rising Music Festival. Uh, the new album, Stellar, I'm going to let him tell you about it. Uh, I wasn't able to get a song cleared to be in the podcast, that is something we'll work on for future episodes. Try and get some music in here for you folks. But, uh, now, then we're going to have a, uh, a, a new feature, which will be a rotating chat with one of the editors from Live for Live Music about shows, festivals, events, and bands, obviously. You should be checking out. I'll uh, be back at the end to real quick talk about some of the other changes we're going to be making to the format, tease some future doings. But for now, on to Paul the Saint. I've done a couple of interviews since uh, I decided to get back to work, and since everybody else was doing interviews with musicians, traveling musicians during a shutdown was surprisingly depressing. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, well, when you uh, do a thing called Live for Live Music, um, yeah, oh yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's been pretty sparse here the past couple of years. I've watched uh, more than my share of uh, internet streams. Oh no, I know. I got, I, I got to be honest. I about three months into that, I got tired of it. But it's like one of those things where you just like you got to do what you got to do. I'll say this, uh, I have a vast music collection, and all those shows end up coming out pretty crisp, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. But they are yeah. just a little bit hollow, because, you know, there's no crowd to get you all cranked up, and I'm guessing you're the uh, kind of artist who uh, definitely feeds off that. Oh, 100%. A hundred percent. It definitely was not. I mean, it is what it is in that situation. I, I can say this. I'm very glad that, you know, we started in 21 doing a few shows, but, you know, we, we kind of knew 22 was the one that's like, all right, we're getting back to real kind of, 
no matter the circumstances. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm just sort of we're just sort of in the interview now, so just so you know, normally oh, okay. I normally I warn everybody before I officially start recording to please uh, don't admit to any crimes that you're not ready to face, but you you haven't done anything yet, so from this point forward, you know seriously, <laughs> all good man, yeah, all good. Um, but you, you just touched on something uh, I wanted to uh, get to in my little list of questions a little bit later, but I got tired just reading your upcoming concert calendar. After all this time off, uh, I mean, do you have any worries about getting back into the, like, the touring life grind? I mean, yeah, I do. I mean, I, I you know, me and my wife had our first child in September of 2020. And it'll be the first time I've ever been on the road like that with a daughter, you know, like with a daughter at home. And so I don't know how I'm going to handle that, how I feel about that. Um, so that part for me is, is a little worrisome. But I think, honestly, we're all just like, you got to think about it. Like we toured basically seven years straight. Yeah. And, 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 and the pandemic from that perspective couldn't have come at a better time for this band. Because, I mean, there was a little burnout. I'm not going to lie. There was a little burnout. And for that to come when it came, it was like, you know, it did. It made you more grateful and all of, all the, the cliched things that it does. And um, But I think we're really ready. I, I'm like, I'm, I'm ready to get tired of touring again. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Like, I, and, and I, I, I do. That's, that's what, yeah. I actually, uh, I made the mistake of deciding to take the second half of 2019 off uh, because I've, oh, no. yeah, I've, oh. been, I've been working on a uh, documentary series uh, and, and pitching it, and we took the second half of 2019 off to get ready to pitch a documentary series about what it's like to be, you know, traveling in the festival life and everything with the idea of shooting it in 2020 and then <laughs> you know so yeah timing is everything i'll just say you know yeah oh, man that's just that's a bummer i mean that, that is i think for us i mean it's like this record like this record was done in march of 2020 we've been sitting on this thing for you know a while and so but what we were like is like we're not releasing it until we can act. We know we can do, and once you know, now Omicron about got us. It, it did hit us a little bit. It hit us in Europe, but but we were we were just very like we. I mean, you know, we've got a tour on an album. You know, we can't just release something and be done with it and have a tour. We're just not that kind of band. And so it was a. Uh, it definitely jolted some plans for us for sure. Um. You know, the uh, the the album. Uh, it's. I I don't want to sound like overly complimentary, but it is like clearly a step up from the previous material. Um, did you feel like it was an advancement as you were like writing this stuff? for um, alien shore i i think i think you always kind of feel that way you know 
um, when you're in the moment, we knew it was different. You know, we knew it was different. We knew this was going to be a little bit more psychedelic, a little bit more out there. And honestly, like, I, we say this, and I think this is very true. I think it was the full bloom of this band's entire influence, what we're, what we're influenced by entirely, instead of, like, a segment. And we... Yeah, we, we, I don't know, you know, you never know, you know what I mean? Like, you never know, like, you never know how people are going to respond or, you know, if you hit the mark or not. I know for us, in a creative standpoint, it was very satisfying. And I think that's, that's a good feeling. Well, you know, that's about when, so it's your fourth album. And that, that's about when you would think, uh, it's either going to gel for you folks or it's not. So, I mean, that's about perfect if you think about right. it. Right. Right. I mean, that, that back in the day, that was usually how it went, right? Like, if pe- people were given time to make records. And it was usually that third or fourth album that it's like, okay, that's that's the realization of everything. And it all kind of comes together. Yeah. Um, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, your first album is all those great songs that you've you've been like wowing all the crowds with and got signed with. Your second right. album is a couple of leftover songs from that, a couple of new songs, and then the uh, the song where you complain about being on the road. Um, I think every band has to write that song, and then yeah, the third and fourth thing you guys have either figured it out or you haven't. You definitely have figured it out. Uh, the, the album is dark. Uh, the way I've been <laughs> describing it to people, it's like Southern Gothic horror dance music. Man. <laughs> oh, I can't dig it. I'm all about it. That's great. That's great. I'm all about it. I was like, it's scary, and I want a boogie. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- there, there's some like you know anecdotal. People love to throw these things out there. Did you really write these after a series, the, the tunes after a series of nightmares? Is that? Uh, I mean, yeah. So I think where it kind of really kind of originated the idea is in 2019, I had to get an emergency epidectomy. Okay. And it almost, and it almost ended my career because of the tune and my vocal cords. So not something I told a lot of people about, but it almost almost put me put, I almost had to start thinking about another career path because of what happened. But that night in the hot, I never spent a night in the hospital as an adult. Mm. But I'm like I'm like hooked up on morphine and all that. And you do have these like really weird dreams and oh, yeah. kind of yeah that in between the sleep and and awake and um I kind of. Yeah, I think that was uh, I, that, that was kind of where it originated. I've had a couple of near-death experiences that have landed me in the hospital for very long stretches, and I had a serious. This is what like as I was reading just sort of the liner notes and like the introduction of it, I got really interested because during like one of those streaks, I had a series of fever dreams that haunt my ass to now. And I was like, did he have, like, something similar and then, you know, write down a whole bunch of songs from that? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think, 
um, I definitely took from that experience. You know, um, it's not all that. You know what I mean? It's not like I sat there and wrote a whole record in that time, but it's definitely elements of that for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, like, is that, does it feel a little weird to revisit that on stage? You know, I don't know yet. Uh. I don't know yet. You know, like, I don't know yet. I think it's a, I think it's a compelling, I'll say that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, it, it's weird. Some of it's kind of seared in your brain, right? Some of the imagery. And so obviously that shows up on the record. Um, so no, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested in seeing what happens. I mean, we played a few of the songs live. I mean, when you play it live, it is like therapy. Like you, you, you do it so much that it doesn't have the same mental impact that it did maybe the first time you played it. Yeah, and you've got the old trick of, you know, if it starts to get a little too much for you, you can just sort of look out into the crowd and find somebody to, like, lock on right. to. Right, 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 exactly. It, it, it's, that's why I think I like kind of performing in that, because, like, you do, like, it, not that you become numb to it, but you, you get comfortable with it. And I think that's, that, you know, it's like therapy, or you, you know, in a lot of ways. The... uh we, we touched on the fact that the band's sound has evolved a little bit. How much of <laughs> the musical identity of the band is like a conscious choice to gel and, and, and how much of that is just the natural result of playing? Um, I think I, for me, it feels very, very much like a natural progression. Um, I don't think, I mean, I think if you listen to album one and, and this one, you would go, that's a different band. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's a different band. But I think if you listen to album three to this one, you can hear elements of, in album three that are in this record. Um, and so I, I feel like it's been a natural kind of just, you know, playing with the band and where the band's going. Um, none of it felt forced. You know what I mean? Like, we're trying to do, like, we were experimenting, but none of it was just like, oh, this is this is totally out of left field. We all felt free, uh, like a natural progression. We knew we were stretching, stretching, you know, our palate. But I don't, I don't know. It's weird. I don't think we ever felt like we were we were um, unnaturally doing something. Yeah, I mean, uh, you just mentioned the concept of stretching your palate, and like. So say the song uh, Hunter and His Hounds. There's like a song that gets, or there's a note that gets stretched to almost torturous lengths in that thing. You know? Right. I mean, there's a, I hear elements of late 90s, early oddies radio head in there. Would it be, uh, would it be wrong to list them as inspirado for the band or like some of them? I mean, guys? They're, they're a huge inspiration. Like, I mean, they are a band that I, that I think all of us pretty much admire. Um, I mean, it's, it's a band that Jesse and I, um, bond over. Um, it's a band and you know, like, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think, I, I think there is, that is a, that is a really big influence. And, you know, a band like Portishead is another one that's there you go. really big influence. You know, really big influence on this band. Uh, um, and you know, we 
we haven't really gotten to explore that as much as maybe, you know, like the, the kind of soul thing or whatever. Um, so, um, it was a lot of fun, but yeah, that's, that's a very accurate assessment. I would say. It's one of the, uh, it's one of the weird things about uh, COVID and the quarantine and everything. You know, like you said, you'd been on the road for seven years. A lot of bands probably would have uh, maybe scheduled six months off before the studio. Uh, you know, but like you said, you had this album ready to go, and it sounds like, you know, you were ready to just pop back out there. Is that about right? Right. Right, yeah. You know, so you wouldn't have even gotten that break. Um, I'm wondering how many dark, introspective... See, I was wondering when this material was written. Because I figured if it was written in motel rooms, it had to be pre-pandemic. But if it was recorded during uh, the, the pandemic, then I could see some of that darkness... Uh, and sort of psychedelicness that's crept into this. I did exactly what you mentioned. I listened to all four of your albums uh, twice to to get ready for this, and uh, you know it's definitely a, a jumpy progression. You know if you you know if you look at it like that, and I, I you might have gotten lucky, you know, with all this, like you said. So, I don't know that there was a question in there. More observational. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't, yeah. I, I, I mean, for me, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know how it all, you know, how it all would have laid out had we had, you know, had we been able to release this immediately. Um, you know, I really don't. Um, but it was, uh, it caused a stir within our team for sure. I think they were, some folks are like, they were like, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> so, so it would have been interesting had we jump, had to jump right back into it. Now, a lot has been made from your uh, religious roots, and the opening track comes off as sort of a space age prayer to Fuzzbox Jesus. Um, you know, with the dissatisfaction with some of the ways of organized religion that you've mentioned, uh, do you get a little extra satisfaction in turning some of the tools of preaching towards like this different creative use? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, I think that's, you know, that's kind of what my DNA, it's just kind of in my DNA at this point. And it is fun to kind of use it in those terms for sure. Um, also, this is a, a personal note. Uh, I had literally the best introduction to your band, Humanly Possible. There was a, a, a chick I really dug, and you were playing at a festival that she was playing at, and I was going there to visit her, and she was like, no matter what, we got to go watch this other band. And, and I was like, why? And she's like, because you're going to dance with me when this other band plays. And I was like, that is highly unlikely. And uh, I got there, and damned if I didn't get out there and, like, ended up slow dancing to uh, one of your songs. And I was like, I've had it in my head to say thank you for this for quite a while. So, you know, thank you for this. That was... Uh, uh, that's awesome. That's yeah. good to know. That's oh, yeah. 
That worked out real well for me for no reason at all. So you've always had like this warm spot in my heart. And then uh, like I saw that you had a new album coming out and I threw it in there and I was like, this, what? Where? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, I'm the uh, photo video guy and uh, also for the Spirit of Swanee Music Park as well as uh, an interviewer and and uh like writer for live for live music so you're getting ready to come to the uh spirit swanee music park do you remember the last time you we were here i think it was for bear creek yep i want to say 2014 and now yeah, that's been a long time so you're not just returning you're returning to the event that's sort of spiritually taking bear creek's place in our hearts and you're headlining it. Uh, you're, you're, you've got some bigger headlining days of festival uh, slots coming up. Do you, are you feeling a little extra pressure coming out of like the uh, hiatus to, to big dog status? <laughs> um, no pressure, you I, know. I'm just saying. Yeah, I, you know, it's weird. Like we do the show, you know, like the show's the show. Um. Depending on the vibe, you know, we'll try to mix up the show. Like, we try to do different things. And um, I don't know, man. I don't get, I mean, I am flattered that anybody would have us on top of any list to play a festival. Um, you do, the one thing is when you are, when you do, you do feel a little bit more responsible about things. You know, like, you, you kind of, it's kind of like, I hope everybody's having a good time. And you know what I mean? Like, you do feel that responsibility. But, we, you know, we, there's a reason why somebody wanted us to do it at that, you know what I mean? So you're like, you, you do your show. And, you know, we do our show whether there's 50 people or 50,000. Like, we don't, you know, we don't really discriminate as far as that goes. So that's, that's been the good thing. Um, I mean, by the time we get there, we'll have a tour under our belt. So we'll be, locked and loaded by the time we get get, get there to the festival. Nice. Well, you know, you're going to be in the uh, our beloved amphitheater. Uh, I know you're from Alabama, so you're familiar with Live Oaks and, and Spanish Moss. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, the way the, the, the concert lights filter through the uh, Spanish Moss uh, during, like, the headlining slots and everything – it's it's pretty magical. So you know you're gonna have the best setting humanly possible. We got that covered for you. <laughs> well, we'll try and we'll try and deliver. I guess I uh, I, I hope I hope we can. I hope people are. You know, I mean, I'm just glad that we're getting to play a festival. And, and and those those kinds of festivals can be really fun because everyone's really you know they're they're down da- they're down. You know what I mean? You don't yeah. have to convince anybody. Like they're down to go, and so that's that's a that'll be really fun. Oh yeah, I mean you know after after all of this in April, in Florida with the sunshine and everybody feeling a lot safer to be outside and in the warm and everything, yeah, I mean you're primed to to have a super uh, ready crowd in a beautiful situation. I don't know how much. Uh, easier you could have a path to really putting down a, a, a an incredible show 
Yeah, I mean, I think for us, like, we have thought about this, like, shows like that, you know, where you are headlining, you're like, maybe play a longer set than you would, you know, for a club date. You know, do something do something different. Do something fun. Um, we're, um, you know, we just got so many talented musicians in the band. It's, it's fun to kind of watch them flex their muscles a little bit. And, um, yeah, man, I'm just, like I said, I just, like, I don't, I mean, I'm just excited to get to play and the fact that anybody wants us to be on top, you know, have our name on top of anything is, um, it's still very surreal. Um, but I'm very flattered for sure. Well, Paul Levine's got all the faith in the world in you and so do I. So that's, uh, that's good enough for me. Before I let you go, I did want to touch on one more thing. In all my research, I saw that you near earned yourself an accounting degree. Um, <laughs> You know, like while we were shut down, did you did did you feel the temptation to just go ahead and knock out the last couple of credits? <laughs> you know, I did. I actually thought, but I, I think if I went back to school now, I think I would do art history because I don't need like the accounting thing was more of a like, hey, everybody needs accountants, even when things are bad, you need an accountant. It was more of a practical thing, not something that I would say I love. And I love art history. So I think if I went back, I, I did think about it, though. For a little while, I was like, maybe I should go, you know, take a few classes and so on and so forth. But what's weird is we were busy enough that it was like, it had been, it had still been fairly hard. And, and you know what I mean? Like, we were busy enough on things that it was like, we were, you know, we weren't playing shows necessarily, but we were doing studio stuff. And, and so, um, so yeah, it had been a little bit more difficult, um, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think I would go back for accounting now. I got to be honest. I think, I think at this point, if I was going to go back to school, it'd be something that I was passionate and loved. Well, speaking as a guy with an art history minor, I would tell you go ahead and get the accounting degree. Uh, <laughs> just... Yeah, I, you know it's, it's weird at this point, man. Like, I, 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 I feel you. I just. You know, I guess I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I could, I mean, you, I've done this now. You know what I mean? I think this has ruined me. Like, yeah. I know, it's, you know what I mean? Like, I'm doing something that I really enjoy doing, and I don't think I really, I would really enjoy accounting. I find huh. it fascinating, but I don't know if I would really enjoy it. And I think that would be, that would be the hardest thing. So, God willing, <laughs> I'll, you know, I won't have to worry about it. Hard to keep them down on the farm once they've seen the lights of L.A., as they say. Um, <laughs> well, uh, you know, thanks uh, so much for carving a, a little chunk of time off uh, for us. Uh, we can't wait to see you. I know uh, the uh, the readers are going to enjoy hearing some of this, and uh, we're really looking forward to it here at Swanee. Hearing... Uh, Hearing something, anything that isn't just the sound of quiet from our stage. So, <laughs> I'm with you, my friend. I'm with you. So, I'm excited. All right. Well, have a great day. All right. You too. Hey, kids. Did you know that the Spirit of Swanee Music Park is more? than just the most wonderful place for outdoor music festivals in the country? Yep, it's also a year-round campground slash event center where all kinds of fun in the sun can be had. No better place to do anything from host a wedding or a family reunion or just come down, unplug, swim in the river, 
sure the miles and trails, play disc golf, eat a delicious meal at our cafe, or just hide out for the world like I do. It's great. You can find us online at www.musiclivesherecom or call the office during business hours at 386-364-1683. That's 386-364-1683 or www.musiclivesherecom. Yay! Now let's talk to Andrew O'Brien, the editor-in-chief of Live for Live Music. I bet he's got some interesting things to tell us. So uh, welcome to the new segment, folks, where we talk to uh, at least a member of the editorial board of Live for Live Music, uh, ostensibly ostensibly uh my boss though i recognize <clears throat> though i recognize no such office in anything i do oh no rex can't be tamed uh no can't put a saddle on this bad boy now uh could i get you to introduce yourself of course where are my manners i'm andrew o'brien i'm the editor-in-chief at live for live music i've been working with rex for it's gotta be like half a decade now at this point right it's all lies. I mean, you know, uh, your memory actually works. Mine doesn't. So we'll say yes. Five years sounds about right. Now, let's get this out of the way for- first. Uh, a lot of folks would say I'm having you on here to suck up to you or to or to even ensure that I continue to just get to do kind of whatever I want, which is sort of what I was doing anyway. Because it's not like you dock my salary. But uh, I think we both know why you're really here, right? Man, I, you really set me up there for knowing something. But I'm clueless. Why don't you tell me? Uh, Charlie? Oh, well, yeah. I, there is the, the Charlie of it all. Yeah. I have this, this wonderful smelly pup upstairs. Uh. So what we're uh, saying is he has a wonderful dog. And uh, as is my habit when I travel the country, I whenever I can, uh, stay with people instead of getting uber expensive hotel rooms and such. Because, you know, poor and all that. So, again, live for live music, not really known for uh, making millionaires. But... Uh, they are known for making people's dreams come true. So, you know, it's a bit of a trade-off. But, luckily, Andrew has the bestest dog in the whole wide world. Yay. He really is the bestest. Uh, yeah, I have to show you, we, he's been having a little trouble getting up and down the stairs to go outside, so we built him, like, a doggy handicap ramp. Nice. Like, nails welcome mats onto it and stuff. It's adorable. He hates it, though. You have to, like, really... You have, to, you have to be really persistent to get him to actually use the ramp. It works. A- have you caught him using it when he didn't think you guys were around? At this point, he'll go down on his own, but he'll still go for the stairs and fall down rather than trying to go up it. Gotcha. Which is the bane of his existence, that ramp. One day. 
I think he's just hoping you'll carry him up. You know, that would be. He needs to take note of when I start to do things for him that he doesn't have to do anymore. Yeah, there is that. Uh, okay. Before we get to the actual topic of why I had you on here for the week, um, one of the things I want to do when I have you on is to see if there were any shows that you just saw that you'd like to shout out, uh, musician friends, if there was anything that you wrote about that you wish you could have written more about over the course of the last week, or if there's just anything out there that you sort of want to bring to the attention of the uh, music community at large? Well, I mean, there's so much. So that, that's a lot of music. Me and a small team, including Rex, we turn out a bunch of news about a bunch of different music all the time. And there's so much cool stuff going on, particularly now, as things sort of start to fully blossom in a way they haven't really in a couple of years in terms of concerts. So I was just talking about how this past week between the 14th and whatever Sunday was, the 20th, we, I went to five shows, five different nights on, in Brooklyn. And all like different and amazing. And so I, this week, since that's the first time I've done anything like that with that sort of frequency since pre-pandemic, for sure. And since I'm just still sort of like gobsmacked about that, let me just run you down. So first, Monday, we had um, Quest Valentine's Day, of course. I can't just call it Monday. It was Valentine's Day. Myself and my lovely fiance went to Brooklyn Bowl and slow danced to DJ Questlove. It was great. It was super fun. It was a soft show, right? It's not really, I don't know. I don't know if I'd call it a show. It was more of a, a get-together. But a cool thing going on, nonetheless. Then, Wednesday night, one of my favorites recently, Neil Francis, keyboard player, soul singer out of Chicago. Went to see him in Williamsburg. That was amazing. He's on tour. Catch him if you can. Really fantastic. He's got a new album out called In Plain Sight. Then, Friday, back at Broken Bowl, we have Dumpster Funk with the Nth Power, which really, both of those bands, some of the baddest musicians on the planet, some of the most interesting people you'll meet, and just a great show all around. The highlight had to be Dumpster Funk, this is, you know, a couple days after Betty Davis had passed, and they played this awesome version of, I'm trying to remember the song. Lucky Mike had picked up one of those old, from, from the self-titled album. And Nikki Glaspie came out and sang it from the end of power. She usually plays drums. You might see her sing a little bit in Kamani, one of her newer bands, but she really just gets out there and rips it when she's got a mic in her hand. Let's let Nikki sing more. I think that's the... The goal here, Nikki Gillespie, not just a badass drummer, but a very badass singer and performer. Then Saturday night, we've got Aqueous at this new venue right in our neighborhood called Brooklyn Made. Uh, this is a show that had been postponed a couple first for Omicron a couple months ago. And then again, last month, the postponed date got postponed again because of the snowstorm. So this was like a long time coming, this show. Uh, the horn section came and sat in. We played uh, like a steel Dan tune. It was a super fun night all around. And a very cool new venue that I'm looking forward to going back to. And then, something totally different. Sunday night, we went and checked out the John Mayer Sob Rock Tour at Madison Square Garden. The 
this, this young Mr. Mayor, I, I don't think he he has any like notable prior things, but he's yeah. like, you know, apparently he's a guy that makes music and uh, he's doing some sob rock. And he, he's out there. He's doing it. Maybe you've heard of him. Real, Maybe you'll check him out. Real quick, could you define sob rock for us? Can I what? Define sob rock? Is that what you called his uh, music? Oh, yeah. So oh, let's, let's pull this back a little bit. So I, I was just being a dick and calling Don Mayer's sob music sob rock as a genre. You would be somewhat right, but that's also the name of his album and the name of his tour. Very like self-aware, almost like a trolling album. It's like super 80s throwback sounding. It sounds like you know, an album like Toto would have made or like Boston or something like that. Don't, all don't, newer songs don't, with that vibe. Don't throw it's like, Boston meant to be next a little to Toto. Hence the name. I mean, don't throw Boston next to Toto, my brother. That's uh, <laughs> that's you a, know what I mean, though. Like, I mean, know, it's, like it's supposed to be of a different era. I think. But also, like, very recognizing, like, um, that your body is a Wonderland guy, and, like, obviously this is corny. It's from the heart. And eventually you're going to love singing these songs. Maybe it won't be now, but at some point. And I sort of already feel it happening. Like, I, at first, I was like, wow, this is so corny. And then I, like, I'm, a month later, I'm, like, humming songs to myself. <laughs> See, what's I was, up? I was extremely excited to be John Mayer on Sunday. See, I mean, By the end of I grew up in... The Yacht Rock era. I am, uh, you know, I was born in 1970. Literally all that shit was hitting me as I was seven, eight, and nine. Black Sabbath was dropping new albums when I was five with Ozzy. And then like two years later, it was the, if you like, Pina Colada songs. You know, and... I was a little kid and didn't understand. I just thought that's how music went, you know. Some shit was super heavy and some shit was super mellow. You know, and I was I was very happy about that. But don't don't throw weak ass Toto up next to Cosmic Boston. Whoa, 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 whoa. I will give you that Boston is awesome. But don't you say another bad word about Toto. <laughs> I badmouth Toto then. I will badmouth Toto now. Uh, I've been fairly... Before we get off of this, thanks to Mayor for really recreating that vibe because he went out and got (laughs) Greg Phil Games and Manny Castro from Toto to be in his band this this tour. So when you're listening to it and you're like, it sounds like Toto. You're right in some way. Well... Because it's those guys. In my continuing urge to badmouth Toto, I will say that I'm not surprised that they had the free time to uh, go join oh, another okay. band. <laughs> oh, have fun, snap! Uh, this is sort of me having fun. Uh, you know, here's the of thing. Course. I actually, first of all, it's it's like my podcast. Second of all, um, <laughs> There. If you lived through the time period at which the music was made, you're given way more leeway to make fun of it than the the, the whipper 
snappers, which would be you. Yeah. That's true. Or the or the old. Like you can't you can't talk to me about. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm grasping for a good example. Yeah. Like I was cool when I was the most cool, and I was in like grade school. Like Avril Lavigne. I don't know. Yeah, I will say <laughs> this. I will say this. I will offer no strong feelings about Panic at the Disco. Um, there's, I do like a couple of their songs. There's a couple of bands like that that I've just literally never even heard. I just know the names of them from like the Audis. You know? Yeah. I mean, like, I'm aware they exist, but, you know, that's about the extent of it for me. It's as far as it goes, huh? Yeah, you know, it's weird. As you get older, you sometimes you stop paying attention to the new stuff. I really have tried to continue to research and search out new music, but the older I get, I gotta admit, I tend towards searching out festival-style bands, i.e. funk and soul bands, and, uh, you know, more jazz, more older stuff kind of stuff, but I did not sort of the pop rock jam stuff of the of the Audis. Good luck. I, I got no idea. That's, mm-hmm. that's another reason you're here. Now, uh, you touched on the main reason you're here already, which is uh, we're going to have you uh, pop on uh, once a week for a little of this witty repartee like we just had. Uh, you know, so if you enjoy that, you'll get a smidge more almost every week. But uh, also, uh, I just wanted to get sort of a big picture view from you because you're you're one of the you're one of the people who looks at the music festival scene like I do, sort of from a, a step at reserve, you know, because you you do so much writing about it, so. Mm-hmm. Literally, the first thing I would be remiss to not mention this is we are coming out of a two-year pandemic where probably, I would guess, 70% of the articles you've written uh, have been such and such was canceled, such and such is postponed, this band lost a member to COVID, you know, how has it been trying to run a music news website uh, as an editor when, you know, all the news is bad? <laughs> Man, that's a good question. Thank you. I guess the first... It's always good because... when your editor boss says that's a good question. You know, you feel like, all right. Hey, I mean, I'm, I'm in the business of entertaining good questions. I'm mean, not. Uh... Now, um, first of all, yes, it fucking sucked. I don't know if I can say fucking. Can I say fucking? I don't. I mean, there's, <laughs> to, have you been grabbed up by cops from behind you yet in, in your, wherever you're at? Because if not, I say go for it. Yeah. All right. Well, it fucking sucks that everything got canceled. Cause it, you know, and it happened so fast, too. You know, in the... So things are planned so far out, right? So, like we had stuff planned for six months from then. And we also had like a festival that was supposed to go on on March 23rd, 2020. So like right there, like we, we ended up canceling a week out from that or 
it was like one day before everything was just canceled. And then it's like several weeks of just like cancel, 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 nothing but cancels, right? And then that sort of ebbed and flowed over the course of it. But I think that they, you know, concerts slowed down. But the the slowing of the concerts was news in itself. Like I've talked to a bunch of people who were like, oh, you're in the music industry, right? Did you get furloughed? Like, what did you do with all your time? There's no music. Well, as I'm in the music industry, I'm in the news industry, and there's just as much news, if not more news, when things are changing and getting canceled as rapidly as they were. So we didn't, like, stop. We didn't, it just can't. It, the cancellation stuff came so quickly that we stopped covering individual cancellations and put together one big guide. And then that big guide got too ridiculous to maintain because there were so many things getting added all the time that we condensed it from, like, an exhausted piece into just, like, snapshots. And every day we'd give a snapshot of, like, these things are opening and these things are closing and here's how this is changing and this is changing. And, like, it's been interesting to look back now, you know, because you can see if you go back early, you see, like, the Rise of Driving show. At first it's just, like, look at what these weird people in Denmark are doing to have concerts. And then you scroll up a few months and it's, like, there's a full-on jam band concert circuit in the Northeast, fully functioning, pumping out shows. So it's, it was cool in that sense to be able to watch this thing that's affecting every facet of, of the world, but our sort of corner of it in this very unique way, seeing that develop over time. But every time I have to write anything about this is canceled, whatever, like the first thought was like, fuck. There's a lot of just unattached cursing. Like, you ever seen The Wire? Yes. You better say it. Yes. Well, for those of you who haven't, there's, a, there's one scene in The Wire where two detectives figuring out a murder scene and how it all went without speaking and just being like, fuck. No, but, but I'm sorry. I, if, if the F word's not cool, we're really scared on this episode. No, no. Um, we're fine. <laughs> but that was sort of what it felt like in our, like, editorial message thread for a lot of 2020. And then for a period of 2021, and various points in between, whenever it would flare up, it would just be like a, there would be full days of just, here's a link, fuck, here's a sudden else being, oh, fuck, shit. And that was it. So there were some down points for sure. But then, like, I would hope that if you love going to concerts, you found a way, you found your way to a show at some point last year when there was a lull. Cause there was a point where, during the summer, things came back, and there was a bunch of stuff. There were festivals, there were arena shows, there were stadium shows, all massive things. And then, you know, obviously Omicron came and shut it down again. We're now coming back out of it. But I do hope that you have gotten out to, to see something since then, because the, one of the upsides of it was every writer I work with had at least one beautiful piece about returning to music, and all of those pieces were really heartfelt and seem to be cathartic to write and I love seeing that. So it's you know it's the two sides of the coin. There was there were definitely downward slopes, but then the momentum that pushed us up with was all the more powerful. You know, I hadn't really I hadn't really thought about that when asking you to do this. What I really wanted to do was get what you so well covered was like just the flexibility that was necessary for someone in your position to 
you know, you probably developed writing muscles that you never would have otherwise. You know, you weren't describing things of joy. One of the little sort of dirty secrets of the music journalism industry, or as I've always had to call it, fake news, um, is that, you know, we generally don't cover stuff we're not already fans of because this the, the work we're doing requires effort, you know, and somebody who was like trying to talk about the music industry as a whole, which seems to be a lot rarer in our thing, might have a you know, a slightly different perspective on this whole thing. That was why I wanted to get, like, the editor from Live for Live Music. Because, you know, a lot of folks who do what we do, you know, I'm sure we're going to, over the course of this series, what I really, one of the things I want to touch on is, because I get this question a lot, how can I do what you do? I really want to get the, uh, the Andrew's favorite ways to not be bugged, um, you know, to, to not be pitched stories, you know, because, I mean, I believe you've had people come up to you at funerals, um, you know, with, you know, with ideas and such, you know, you, yeah. you got people falling out of the sky with pitches for you, right? Sure, I mean, I, I'm looking at my uh, email inbox right now. Okay. I'm going to guess how many, how many are in there, in my work box. So, for a 24-hour period, what would be an, an average? Oh, I don't even know. I haven't been at zero in longer than I can remember. I'm looking at the number 46,762. Jesus. And so that's just like years of unread stuff. That I'm, like, I, I really, if anyone tried to email me, I really do try my best to get through everything every day. Uh, if I don't respond try hitting me again because it's probably one of those 49,000 emails that yeah, we'll go waiting in, for me to read one day. We'll go into the uh, thing. I have found for the record that if you put in the subject line, I have pictures of you that you do not want to get out respond immediately. Works pretty well. That will get yeah, us attention. You know, I tend to respond to those messages in a timely manner. You know, yeah, I mean uh, fear is a, a great motivator for getting that uh, opening click. You know, where you take that from there, that's up to you and Andrew. But, you know, I'm not trying to tell you folks how to blackmail somebody. But I am suggesting that blackmail is a good idea. To backtrack just for one second, you, you hit on one thing I wanted to touch on before I let you get out of here because I know you've had a long day. Uh, I was thinking about the fact, again, that you would have this big overview. But what I wasn't really thinking about was... You also, besides all the inundation of, you know, things that are being canceled, things that are being delayed, and all the little, you know, pop-ups you're going to have to write, you had to read everybody else's uh, versions of those on top of that, you know. Mm -hmm. So you were taking another whole round of punches on top of the ones that, you you know, you were just receiving from the ether. Then you had to take them from fans and such. Sure. And coworkers, that's that's kind of a bummer. So okay, poor Andrew 
We all feel proper. We all feel proper. Sorry, I, I would I would hate to leave it on that note. It is not for it. Oh, but that but that's like, why they come back for part two. Is, is poor Andrew's life still like that, or is it all wonderful and glowing and sunshiny now? You know. Oh man, I mean, look, there's I, I don't know if you were one of these people. I've talked to a lot of people about it, and it seems like people are split. Right? There were some people who like, you know, just didn't want to pay attention to COVID stuff. And they would rather not, you know, just keep their head down. And as me, like, sitting here analyzing numbers every day and, like, all right, when was the last date that we had this seven day within this county? It's like, I've poured over all of that so much to the point of insanity almost at times over the last two years that the last two weeks not thinking about it so much has been blissful. It's been great. So I'm hoping this continues. There's uh I'm hoping that was that was the big spike at the end and now we're done. Going through going through huge struggles, uh I think everybody out there who's made it through a particularly bad time knows how it goes. You think about, you know, if something really horrible happens to you and it keeps happening or it's just a horrible situation that's gonna slowly fade. It fades a little bit, maybe percolates up and fades a little bit. And then you start to notice entire days go by where you don't think of it. I don't think we're exactly. yeah. I don't think we're to that point yet, but I think we're starting to see that edges of it at least on the horizon. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I don't think I've gone. I don't think I've gone a full day without thinking about COVID. But like, oh, certainly. Know. I mean, I, I I went out and and did things this week. And nothing. I wore masks and I was in crowded places and on the train and that sort of thing. But like, you know, I lived a relatively normal, if not unusually active, you know, concert going lifestyle this past weekend in New York City and didn't, you know, didn't think about COVID that much. And now it's incredibly refreshing and fulfilling. And I hope we can keep doing that. So there's your positive note, Mr. I want to end on a positive note, man. Exactly, man. We're on on the right track. It's starting. It's coming. Okay. So, uh, thank you for coming on for your first, yes, your record first appearance on Uh uh, the Rex Division podcast. We're going to uh, listen to a little something from our sponsor. We don't actually have one, so I'm going to do like a fake commercial here in the middle for literally nobody. Uh, and then we're going to talk to Paul Janeway of St. Paul and the Broken Bones about their newest album, The Alien Shore, about being a, a, an ex-preacher uh, in training, about what it's like to follow a segment where the F-bomb was so gratuitously dropped. Um, it's gonna I would like to know that. It's going to be a wonderful show. Thanks for uh, coming by, Andrew. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Take care. Now, finally, a little, I think they call it housekeeping. As we uh, start to shuttle out of this episode, we have have guests like Keller Williams, uh, Paul Hoffman from Green Sky Bluegrass. We have festival promoters like Beth Judy and Paul Levine. We have uh, Mandela Sierra Hull, 
just Joe McCurry. We have tons of guests on the way. Um, on a personal note, uh, they're monkeying with my thyroid med, which has me a little, uh, you know, mush mouth at times. You're going to hear it in the podcast. There's nothing I can do about it to get me fixed. Uh, they tell me I'm all right. I seem fairly sharp. So, you know, it just, it is what it is, but can't wait for everything to be perfect before we get moving. And we got a lot of real exciting stuff. Uh, some of you might remember the documentary series, Rexavision, that we've been working on selling. That is going gangbusters in the, not just trying to get it finally sold, but also in just the level of uh, talented musicians, size of events, uh, everything across the board who are now happy to be possibly participating in this uh, sort of comprehensive look at the music scene is, you know, coming out of the woodwork to make it all better. And uh, hopefully they can get my health tuned up in time so that we can make this thing the uh, great big wonderful awesome that I know it can be. But while we're waiting, we're just gonna, you know, use this podcast to, you know, jumpstart the whole thing, talk to some of these people now, refine some of these stories, learn some new things on the way. It's gonna be awesome. I can't be happier to have you here. I can't be happier to have you back. Uh, you're gonna be able to see this on Live for a Lot, or excuse me, you're gonna be able to see this on the Rexavision YouTube channel as uh, just, uh, there's no video to it, so, you know, don't get excited. Uh, or you can listen to it online wherever you would listen to a podcast, including Spotify, iTunes, Podbean. Uh, I'm sure there's a couple of other places I'm not even thinking about, but it's out there. You can follow the RSS feed. Uh, we're also on Twitter, although honestly, we, we, we really never tweet. We're on Instagram at Rexavision. We're on Facebook at Rexavision. Basically, if you type in R-E-X-A-V-I-S-I-O-N on, you know, a social media platform, we will probably be there. Hopefully, uh, each episode is going to get a little bit better. They'll get my uh, ability to talk fine-tuned again. I'll be back to uh, just the rapid-fire giving of shit to people without uh, feeling like I've bitten my tongue 25 times. And, you know, the world will be what we wished it would be. I missed you folks. I missed the world. You know, uh, everything shut down on us. But the message I closed every single episode of the podcast before the shutdown of the entire music scene, still valid. It's more valid. The shutdown proved me right. 
I ended every episode saying, uh, in one way or another, that we're all in this together. I often try to work in some sort of clever example to prove my point so that when I got there, everybody would be like, wow, Rex has got a really good point. We are in all that together. But I don't know what better example I could give you than the last two years and the idea of a pandemic and, you know, the sad truth of what happens when maybe we ignore the fact that we're all in this together. Uh, yeah, I found a way to pull together. I don't know that I would have the ego to believe that this podcast will have any effect on that, but what the hell? Let's uh, shoot for the moon and aim for this podcast to unite the world in love. But, you know, eh, maybe we don't pull that off, but hopefully we get one or two people to think about that idea. You never know. Anyway, I love you people. Except for two or three of you people know who you are. But everybody else, you're alright by me. As long as whatever you're doing isn't hurting anyone. Who, you know, doesn't expressly want to be hurt in the weird way. I'm not kink shaming, but, you know, whatever. We are getting way off track.